Short Stories of Misadventures in Morocco, excerpts from the book With Open Arms, written and narrated by me, Matthew Felix. Overture Curtain Lights After an obligatory change of trains, Sophie and I found ourselves sharing a compartment for eight with four other passengers. What appeared to be a grandfather, father, and son trio sat next to the window. An older woman in bright blue traditional garb sat in one of the seats next to the door, her head covered, though she didn't wear a veil. Sophie sat across from me reading a newspaper, while I was lost in a book. When the time came to flip a page, I glanced at the mirror over Sophie's head, noticing a young man looking furtively into our compartment. He could have been debating whether or not to take the empty seats. Given the calculating look on his face, and the fact he and his friend had already passed by multiple times, I suspected what actually interested him was Sophie and I. I became uneasy, wondering if it was time to brace myself for another round. It was. The door slid open, as though breaking a hermetic seal protecting us from infection from the outside world. Rather than the guy who'd been watching us, I was surprised to discover his friend. In his late 30s or early 40s, everything about him suggested he was the furthest thing imaginable from a threat. Clean-cut, with a warm, gentle demeanor, he smiled as he squeezed into the compartment, looking everyone in the eyes and apologizing whenever his short but solid body brushed against ours. It made things easier that he didn't carry any bags. When Sophie moved over a seat to make room, he and I found ourselves face to face. He smiled again and said hello. Before he had the chance to say more, his cohort reappeared. Animated, wisecracking, and ready to become the best of friends with anyone he came across. In this case, that just so happened to be Sophie and I. He took the seat next to me and made some predictable small talk. Where were we from, he couldn't help but ask, before mysteriously disappearing again. His much more reserved yet just as amicable friend picked up where he left off. It felt like an introductory meeting for an arranged marriage. Sophie and I had been left alone with the reserved one to get to know him better in the hopes we'd all hit it off. It was only a matter of time before the extrovert reappeared to see how things were going, the doting mother excited about her daughter's prospects with a prospective suitor. Our new friend explained that he lived and worked in Germany. Since his family lived in Fez, he returned periodically to visit, when he didn't travel instead to any of the numerous international destinations he also liked to go on holiday. His current trip home was to last three weeks, including drive time from Germany to Spain, and stops at multiple destinations in Morocco. It all sounded eerily familiar. It sounded almost identical, in fact, to a conversation I had once had on a bus from Chefchaouen. Of course, just like on that bus ride, none of what the Moroccan was saying was remotely implausible. Attempting not to jump to any conclusions, I did my best to withhold judgment while still keeping my guard up. It's hard to say how much time elapsed before the extrovert returned. When he did, he made sure no one failed to notice. Throwing open the door with all the subtlety of a novice Broadway performer, he took to the stage. Even the lights seemed to dim. All eyes in the compartment turned expectantly towards him. There was no doubt. We were about to be treated to quite a show. Several years younger than his friend, the extrovert allegedly worked as some sort of student exchange coordinator. Tall, dark, and almost as handsome as he thought he was, If he'd been delivering punches instead of one-liners, Sophie and I would have been knocked unconscious in record time. This was a young man with star quality. All you had to do was ask, and he was sure to tell you so himself. The more he turned up the charm, the less I trusted him. 
While he tried to endear himself with endless, unconvincing banter, I kept a hypervigilant eye on our belongings. I made sure I knew where our bags were. I confirmed the pants pocket with my wallet and passport was zipped. I maintained an unfaltering eye on Sophie and her pockets, too. It wasn't long before his antics got to be too much. The old man next to the window began shooting me knowing looks that seemed intended to confirm my suspicions, and I was growing more and more impatient. Something had to give. It finally did. So where are you guys staying in Fez? About time. Now we were getting somewhere. I knew this part of the script. Whereas ordinarily it would have annoyed me, this time the familiar line came as a relief. I just wanted to play out the little drama so we could get it over and done with. I made some sort of vague non-committal reply. It turned out the extrovert just happened to know a great hotel. The only problem was that since he'd never recommended it to anyone, he blanked on the name. Just our luck. Fortunately, his memory lapse proved fleeting, and moments later he was able to recall not only the hotel's name, but its location. I thanked him politely, vowing to avoid it at all costs. So, he continued, directing his question at Sophie, what are you going to buy in Fez? She hesitated, saying she wasn't sure or didn't know or something along those lines. Not having gotten the response he'd hoped for, he turned to me, his good old buddy. What about you? What are you going to buy? Nothing. Nothing? It was as though the train had slammed to a halt. The very notion someone could even consider going to Fez without buying something was so heretical, it took him a moment to regroup. Don't you want to support the local artisans? I'm already spending lots of money on hotels and food and other things. Don't worry about me not doing my part, I reassured him. But you have to buy something, he insisted, as though my brutal asceticism genuinely pained him. Morocco has lots of beautiful things I would honestly love to buy, I explained. And hopefully one day I will, when I have lots of money. On this trip, though, we're not here very long, so we just want to spend some time walking around. That's right, chimed the woman next to the door, catching us both off guard. The extrovert and I had been speaking French. Until then, in no way had she let on she'd been following along. He doesn't have to buy anything if he doesn't want to. It's enough that he's come at all, and we should receive him with open arms. A beautiful woman with a dark complexion, full lips, and reflective brown eyes, she expressed herself with the poise and dignity of someone who has lived a righteous life. I appreciated her intervention. Little could I have known, she was only getting started. Directing her attention exclusively to the extrovert, she switched to Arabic and went off on him. Her severe, accusatory tone and emphatic gestures, coupled with his startled expression, left no doubt. She was scolding him, presumably for badgering us. Not for a moment did she lose her composure, but she spoke with such intensity that the men next to the window stopped their conversation too, hanging on to her every word. Most telling of all, even the extrovert shut up for the duration. When the tirade was over, he preferred not to share the specifics. Instead, proving he was capable of brevity when it suited him, he limited his summary to, she doesn't think I'm a good Muslim. He then laughed it off, all in good fun. You know, tonight after we get to Fez, we should meet for coffee. I was astonished. Even after being publicly shamed, the extrovert refused to let up. On the bright side, he'd just given me the last red flag I needed. This was, as I had suspected from the start, the typical con. They began by showing us how much we had in common, since one lived in Europe and the other worked with foreigners. They then built up a rapport, and so they thought, the all-important trust. Once that was established, they transitioned to the familiar lines of questioning. Where were we staying? 
What were we going to buy? Why didn't we meet up later? Not missing a beat, knowing we'd just reached a critical juncture, I jumped in before Sophie had a chance to respond, politely yet firmly insisting, Thank you very much, but we, we can't. We don't have much time, and we just kind of want to do our own thing. Oh, come on, protested the extrovert, shifting his focus from me to Sophie, hoping to have better luck. You know these Americans, he laughed. They can't trust anybody. Now he had gone too far. It wasn't what he had said. Coming from him, a pathetic affront to any feelings of patriotism I might have meant nothing. What pushed me over the edge was the tactic itself. Like so many before him, the extrovert thought that by shocking us with statements we were supposed to feel obliged to contradict, he could manipulate us into doing his bidding. It was as juvenile as transparent, and I was tired of it. The irony, of course, was that he was right. I didn't trust anyone. No one, that is, in Morocco who approached me for no reason. But it wasn't about paranoia or racism or religion. It was about lessons learned from past experience. How about coffee tomorrow morning? He ventured again. No, I said without elaborating. I wanted him gone. Now. He turned back to Sophie, and I withdrew from the conversation, though still paying close attention. At some point, he must have realized I was the one he'd have to convince, because he suddenly looked at me and asked one more time, Come on, you're really not going to meet us for coffee? It was incredible. Like so many before him, he was relentless. His refusal to take no for an answer was the clearest sign yet that something was up. As I will demonstrate later, even when provoked, I'm not one to resort to violence. Having been hassled, lied to, and insulted yet again in a country I was beginning to regret having given a second chance, however, the thought of doing physical harm to the extrovert was becoming more tempting each time he opened his mouth. I guess it showed. His friend, who hadn't said anything for quite a while, jumped into the conversation, in Arabic, for the first time since joining us. Then, taking over from his friend, who miraculously had been silenced for a second time, he turned to me and said, I think you're very smart. You think so? I retorted, assuming he was being sarcastic. Yeah, he calmly replied, without a hint of malice. It was a strange moment. I had the impression of sitting on the other side of a chessboard from an opponent who, rather than feeling ill will upon conceding defeat, has that much more respect for their adversary. If any doubt remained the duo were con artists, it all went up in smoke when without warning they got up to leave. Although it was all friendly and good-natured, with hands shaken and well-wishes exchanged, there was one glaring issue. We weren't anywhere near a stop. If we were all headed to the same destination, and so thoroughly enjoying each other's company, why were they leaving? And where were they going? I didn't bother to ask, keeping my mouth shut and counting my blessings as I closed the door behind them. <laughs>